So ladies, <laughs> let's let's shoot the shit as they say. <laughs> we we actually have two new we actually have two tier 3 patreons now. My friend Kevin, the Ooh. one that I mentioned earlier that I have my weekly wine chats with. Um, they just subscribed to tier three. Well, thank you, Kevin. And I thank you so much. We appreciate it. it. Yes, we appreciate the support. Hope you enjoy our ridiculousness because we have this Midori isn't going to pay for itself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, we just start making some money. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, boo, baby. This wine ain't going to pay for itself. And if you want us to keep up our weekly wine chats, they are actually, they're K-Hive too. And they are actually in the Bay Area in California and have followed Kamala for like oh, ever. So, nice. Yeah. They're one of us. Shout out to the Bay Area. <laughs> my hometown, my homeland. Even though I'm in New York, <laughs> can take the girl out of California, but you can't take California out of the girl. Okay, California girl. Well, last night, Shantae and I were out enjoying some drinks and some food. And we definitely did not see some California girl. <laughs> I, let, let, me, let, me, let me preface, let me preface the adventure you're about to tell us about with saying, I am totally jealous because I know you both are in Harlem. Yes. And I'm in fucking Albany and I'm jealous because I didn't get to meet you two. <laughs> oh, we have to, we have it's to. a two and a half yeah. hour drive. Get on the train. Get on the Amtrak. I was going to say, I'll get on the Amtrak because there's no fucking way. I've driven in London. I've driven in Seoul. I am not fucking driving in New York City. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> no. It's not so bad up here. We're uptown. We're not like down in Midtown. We're like. You're in the middle of everything, but I, I get it. <laughs> Girl, I saw some whole ass titties last night at the bar. Yo, we were sitting- covering her face. We were sitting there, right? Just minding our business, having our drinks, eating our food, chatting. And I look just a little bit behind Shantae because she's sitting in front across from me. And I said, oh, I just saw a whole titty. There was, <laughs> there was this girl who had this little crop top, but it was, it had no back really, oh, right? It was just like, almost like a flap, right? In the front. And all she had was little X tape on her nipple. And she raised her arm and she bent down and I just saw like swinging titty. I was like, oh my God, I just saw a titty. Like not even side boob. You got the full swing and the titty. full swing and titty. I was like, oh shit. Okay. What the hell is happening? It I was don't a, know what like, kind of shirt was that, but it was terrible. And it's, it, keep in mind, it was it's starting to get a little breezy because it thunderstorm for a little bit. And I'm just like, sis, like, what are you doing? And here goes Elia, don't talk about her. I said, shit. And she didn't. Elian could have showed her ass up. I had a titty shirt on yesterday, too. That titty shirt was hot, though. Let me preface it. I had a titty enhancing or accentuating shirt, right? (laughs) However, my free titty wasn't swing inside. (laughs) You couldn't see my whole titty. You could just see decolletage, okay? 
Okay. It's amazing how often I see that. And, in the and I had a jacket over it. I kept my jean jacket on. The <laughs> yeah, but, okay. It wasn't. It wasn't just decolletage. It was also cleavage. And I will say that you have fucking phenomenal cleavage. Thank you. It's true. true. I was just wearing my sweater, <laughs> some sneakers, some jeans. I, I got my nails and my feet done. Your nails was done. <laughs> I saw. I saw the nails that you both had done this week, and I'm just like. I wish I could do that, but I'm doing mine at home. <laughs> I do my own. Mine lasts for a day. Between painting and working at a, the liquor store, opening up boxes, they get destroyed. My hands are just... Yeah, God, I'm my feet done. My feet are getting done this week, so I'm happy. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Speaking of liquor stores, you guys. Oh my God. I went to I went to the liquor store on just on the other side of the avenue that I live on, right? To pick up everything because I drank the last of my Midori and the last of my vodka when I made that drink talking to my friends. So I go and I'm buying wine and I'm buying my vodka and everything else. And there's no Smirnoff vodka anywhere. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, why is there no Smirnoff anywhere? Normally there's like a whole section of Smirnoff. And I'm thinking, do these liquor store owners know that Smirnoff is actually U.S. made? They don't. We looked it up, but yeah, they, a lot of them don't. And I'm like, how how can you own a liquor store and not uh, know where your liquor is made? Yeah. It says on the bottle, made in the USA. Exactly. I mean, not that I have a problem buying New Amsterdam like I did, because it's made in Modesto, California. And that's like kind of where the area where I'm from. I have no problems spending money on Californian vodka. But I'm like... Really? Just because it's got a name like Smirnoff doesn't mean it's fucking Russian. Yeah. <laughs> I went with the Ciroc. You were actually oh, getting me heartburn. Uh, Ciroc is yeah, good. Yeah, Ciroc was good. It was delicious. I'm not a big apple fan. It's not too far from where I live, so I'm just like, Mr. Combs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering what the fuck is wrong with those liquor stores where y'all couldn't find Midori. I ended up finding it. We just had didn't had it put out on stock yet. Oh, in your store. Okay. Yeah. We just couldn't find them in the city because everybody drinks shit. Everybody having parties and shit in their house. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know that shit. Midori like was introduced. Like the Midori Sour. It's one of my favorites. I actually learned that that drink, Midori Sours, was introduced at Studio 54. Oh, okay. So, of course, my favorite drink is Born of the 70s and cocaine. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of uh, Studio 54, so I asked my mother, right, because my parents, you know, they were, like, here in the 70s. Like, my my mom came up here in the 70s, and my father was actually born here and, and lived here. So, mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, we, we went to Studio 54. Your dad did one time. He said he went to the bathroom. Oh, no. <laughs> he said, I see people having sex in there. Oh, yeah. oh my god! And my father's just a regular schmegular dude from Harlem, you know. Of course, to, to to the new folks, cisgender. My father would be like, "What the fuck is that shit?" It's not how rude he is. And he's like, and I don't use the term either. I just use just straight. He's a straight black guy from Harlem, from the hood. So he's like, "I see people having sex, men having sex with women, see orgies and shit." He's like, "I ain't coming in this motherfucking shit again." And Steve Rubell, he was sitting there enjoying that shit. He oh men with the shirts off and shit. Hey, my shit. Studio Fifty Four was fucking crazy. Yes, 
like going back looking at it but then like you're mentioning that and I'm thinking like okay like studio 54 was like fucking bonkers right people having sex in the bathrooms like you said everything else and it's re- you're talking about that and it's reminding me because I'm that fucking old I remember studio 54 <clears throat> the exotic erotic ball in California was the same fucking way it's in San Francisco it used to be it used to be at the cow palace they haven't had it there for a little while and I've gone to it a few times right but it's like it was the same type of energy at the exotic erotic ball as it was at studio 54 I mean maybe a little extra because I would walk around with like older women wearing crotchless cat suits Oh, and like, (laughs) I remember like there were, there was like one dude at this place that was like completely stark ass naked with a sign above his head that says to activate time machine pull lever and he's he's whacking off in front of everybody. (laughs) Same fucking energy as studio 54. Same energy, just on the other coast. Like I said, the seventies was a, was a crazy time because they paid for that shit in the 80s. Like, they paid yeah. for that shit. Like, half of those people was having sex in the 70s, the sex revolution. Half of them would be my parents' age right now because my mom is will be 69, my dad will be 68. So I was like, they would be, like, senior citizens, like, right now, somewhere, either in an independent living home or just have their own place still. Like, that's how crazy the shit was because imagine the stories these I know. <laughs> have and they look so innocent and sweet just sitting there old and cute and then they were uh-huh. at studio 54 getting fucking hyped out in the bathroom uh-huh. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Cocaine straight off of things oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean Sorry, like corrections and shit. Oh, oh yeah, oh, for sure. For it. sure. Like I okay, like I was like I said I grew up in California. I'm a California girl born and bred. And even like with like Studio 54 days and everything, like I can see it happening even though my mom never went. But it's like that whole fucking culture. I can fucking see it happening because it's like even back in the day when studio 54 was like uber popular like my mom was in the cocaine she was in the cocaine seat like i remember watching my mom snort that shit off the coffee table i watched her you know like cocaine and speed and all that shit it was just like it was the american culture at the time i mean studio 54 blew it up and like kind of helped with making it mainstream and everything but yeah it was fucking Mm -hmm. everywhere and but if you think about it too because where Ellie and I was last night. That neighborhood was not like, let's just say everything changed because that neighborhood was infamous for selling drugs. Wow. You talking about across the street from us? We was across the street from Sylvia's. Okay. Sylvia's is where most of the drug dealers will go and eat when they used to have their money or each day. Like specific, they had like routine, they were like routine people. Damn. The food is popping though, so I will go stop there and eat in between drug deals too. <laughs> right? Like you're out there, you're out there like doing your drug deals, smoking your weed, getting the munchies going. All right, I'm gonna go Silius. And, and, and in the 70s, it, it, they wasn't even selling the marijuana was just it was like no. it was light shit. It was coke mm-hmm. and, ha- and how they said not heroin, heroin. Heron. <laughs> oh my god. I'm pretty um, sure Eliana, you heard of heroin. Of course. <laughs> 
Oh my God. Oh my gosh. You, you, you hear Mitch, well, the real guy named is Rich, heroin, you know, like they will, they used to make money off of heroin too, like crazy money off of Coke and heroin. And then crack came in the 80s. So they yeah. made money. So they were eating right across the street when Sylvia, actual Sylvia was working in the restaurant. But you're right. And even in California, the drug scene was serious. You think about Los Angeles and Watts, like Southern California, and even yep. San Francisco with the culture and everything. And this is post probably Harvey um, Milk dying. Yep. Shit was crazy. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't in the Bay area at that time. I was down in Southern California. I was in, um, I was in a town called Barstow. I was actually born in San Bernardino, but my mom and my father lived in Barstow. So when it was before we moved to the Bay area, when I was a little, I was like two, I think when we moved to the Bay area, but, um, even after we left the Bay Area for a while and went back down to Southern California, we're like right on Route 66, right? And we have all these highways that converge into Barstow. So you'd get all these biker gangs and the drug runners and all this other shit. And so it was like this massive hub of gang and drug activity. So yeah, I mean, I grew up with that. It's obviously it's nowhere near what New York City was back in the day. This is just a small fucking <laughs> desert town in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Okay, you know, I'm most most people know. most people will know Barstow because one, it's named in a Cheryl Crow song. Two, and actually, it's actually in her Tuesday Night Music Club. There's a picture of Skyline Drive-In Theater. I know that place. I lived by it. I lived in a literal dump by that because my mom and I were homeless at the time and we lived in a literal dump that was by Skyline Drive by the Skyline drive through drive-in movie theater so you'll know it from there um and I think also um she mentions it there but it's it but people that have driven through California that may not know the name of the town you would actually also recognize it from the train car McDonald's oh okay so. Well, you know, it's interesting because people think, you know, the, the cities, right, urban places have more problems with drugs. But, you know, I've lived all three different types of in, in all three different types of settings. Like I was born in a rural setting. You know, I lived in Puerto Rico, you know, in <laughs> in the campo, like I'm a Ibarra, you know what I mean? Like I used to climb trees to grab fruit, like to eat a snack. Okay. So, yeah. and then we moved to the suburbs in New York. Now people call it upstate, but it's really only like half hour, 40 minutes North of New York city. So it's, not, it's still downstate New York, but you know, yeah, and I don't, I don't get that. Because, like, for, for some reason, people in this city think that anything north of Westchester is upstate. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's upstate, you know, it's just up the state. <laughs> so it's just up the state, but it's but not upstate. In the events of a born and bred city person, because I get criticized for being a city person on the Twitterverse. <laughs> from the western new yorkers you know what the exception I, of lauren ashley but the rest I, of them yeah i live in up i live in the capital region i don't live in upstate new york right. i live in capital region new york and i fucking love your new york city ass okay so thank you but you know like we don't mean no it's no shade but you know like when you can't take the train 
I, I hear you because you know what? Now living in the city myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm not fucking going upstate this weekend. Like I say it too. <laughs> but you know, what I noticed is I went to high school in, in that setting. So I did all of uh, like maybe fifth grade and up in the suburbs. And let me tell you something. I saw way worse shit growing up in high school, in my high school days, and even like college days. I saw so much worse shit when it came to drugs there than I have living in New York City the last, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe 12 years now. So I don't know. I I know people don't think that there's drug problems. I know more people than I can count with my two hands that have died of overdoses. And this was mm-hmm. from people I knew from the suburbs. Oh, I girl. Not one person from the city. Girl. Died of a drug overdose. So when, I, you know, take when that I, out. Oh yeah. Well, it's like, like, and like I said, Barstow's not a huge town, right? My mom was on speed. She was on cocaine, everything else. I was eight years old when I saw my mom fucking OD on speed balls. This is not like a city thing. Like suburbs have a huge fucking drug problem and they have for like decades. Like I am 45 years old. I was eight years old when I saw my mom OD on speed and have, I don't know, like, I think she had like five heart attacks in one day and was in the hospital. Like I remember seeing her hooked up to tubes, which is why I've never done drugs because I saw that shit. And it's like, yeah, it's crazy in New York City and you guys, you know, you had this massive drug problem in the 70s and 80s, but it wasn't just isolated to the big cities like that. Like the smaller towns like suburbia oh, had a huge fucking problem. Reagan administration, it was a problem in the black community. Keep in mind, there was white people that brought the drugs in and there was white yeah. people from working on Wall Street that will go uptown to Harlem or go further uptown to the Bronx or even go to Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn and East New York to get their motherfucking drugs or Queens to get their Jamaica, let's be yep. clear, to get their fucking drugs. So it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, like that's why I didn't watch the, the whole Ronald Re- um, uh-huh. Reagan's biography on CNN because it's like, your campaign know the drugs, you ignored that and then realize people that were shooting heroin in their arms, they had got, you know, they didn't know they had HIV, but had AIDS because of shooting heroin. So yeah. in, 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 the urban, in, in the urban culture, I could say, because I was born the year that crack was popular, 1986. So I remember watching people in my building, not knowing they had the virus. My mom says the virus, because that's how you say it. Yeah. Because they did drugs you, you they did they shooting they sharing needles and that's yeah. how it was not just from sex it was from drugs so you it think it, it had a health implication like you're saying your mom od like in the suburbs they were od and died from aids but in the city people that did drugs they either got shot because they didn't have the money to pay because you know what it's the addiction feed is high mm-hmm. they got shot by the drug dealer or they died from aids yep and the thing of it is with that whole, with the whole Reaganite drug usage with like crack and everything else like that, like from what I, what I saw in my own life, 
with the people close to my mom and with our family, this, the fact that they chose to focus on black people during the crack epidemic, I guess you could call it, is complete bullshit. It was not a black problem. By large, it is mostly white people who are using all of these drugs and having that they are the biggest demographic mm -hmm. of drug users. The op opioid crisis. Opioid. Yes. Yes. I mean, I live in the world of meth down here. So, well, not my yeah. city, but the drive outside anywhere and see the cook labs remnants of it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like my, my husband, his brother, one of his brothers, our niece, like his, his, his brother didn't marry the woman. They were together. They had a they had a daughter together. And this woman basically had a traveling meth lab in the trunk of her car. And they're, they're in central New York, right? So she's basically got a traveling meth lab in the trunk of her car. My brother-in-law now has full custody of his daughter, but it took a while. You know, they had to go through this whole, you know, the family judge, everything like that. And of course, family judges are more sympathetic to the mothers. But he's finally got full custody of my niece. But this woman, white woman, central New York, driving around with a fucking meth lab in her fucking trunk of her car. Yeah, but you want to come after people in the 70s and 80s and even the early 90s, you know, just trying to make, because it was really trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Did I think if they made enough money, they should have got the fuck out? Absolutely. Because my father had friends that made enough money and they left. But mm -hmm. the ones that wanted to get more famous stayed, they got killed. Yep. It's nasty. I mean, all around. I mean, the people that sell it, the people that buy it, the people around them, all around. It's fucking toxic. It's fucking dangerous. It's fucking deadly. But leave it to the progressive say it's, it's a class thing. It's, it's not a race thing. Bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. <clears throat> soapbox. I'm sorry. I'm going to get on my soapbox. I'm a white girl. Anybody that follows us on Twitter fucking knows this. Okay. White girl, white mom, white father living in Southern California. Again, Barstow. Okay. My mom and I were homeless after my stepfather stole basically everything out of our account and left. We were like section eight housing, everything. Okay. My mom was a drug user. She used even while she was still married to him while they were still together. Okay. My mom driving around town. He was a city council member. He was the city council president in that town. He was also one of the major drug pushers, right? My mom with me in the car driving around town, she's got fucking cocaine powder around her nose. She gets pulled over by the PD. Nothing fucking happens. Nothing. The cop just says, you might want to wipe your nose. You got a little powder stuck on your nose. You bet your ass. That same fucking day, me and my mom are out around town, black Hispanic area in the city, cops arresting him for drug use, but letting my mom fucking walk off 
while she's driving around fucking high on cocaine with the cocaine powder around her nose. With, with a kid in the car. With a yep. fucking kid in the car. My mom is lucky she didn't lose custody of me. Wow. Yeah, because yeah, they, they normally do that. So when I hear progressives come out, it's not a race thing. It's Bullshit. I just be like, you know what? And I, I had this conversation and I said, I am a pragmatist. And the reason why I, because I, I don't like labels, which is true. And I'm a pragmatist because I said to myself was, I don't define myself on no ideologies. I really don't. Some people define themselves as, and, and you know, and I can't have, of course, you know, there's centrist, moderate, progressives, independents. That's fine. Conservatives, that's fine. You conservative leaning, that's fine. I'm none of those. And the reason why is because I, I, I do share progressive values. Let's be clear. I do. Mm-hmm. But do I like this progressive, this, these progressive people? No, because they're not real progressives. If you lived in New York City or been in New York City for the last couple years, 10, 15, 20 years, or live in the Westchester County, the real progressives in New York never call themselves progressives. No. That's the one thing because it's what you, what laws you present and you speaking to the people, go door to door and hold town halls, that's progressive. It's not about an ideology or legislation. It's about meeting the people and advocating for the people. And these ones are grifters. They're straight up motherfucking grifters. And I'm glad we had Dr. C on today because she called all that fucking shit out. And I thought she was really going to say read some damn books at the end of that because- I was waiting for it. (laughs) I was waiting for it, yeah. I was waiting for it. I was like, is she going to say it? Like- she normally has her book. She said they should buy them. But she was trying to be classy today. We all try to be. That's why you got you. <laughs> so that's oh, yeah. why I just say, you know, like, I mean, like you saying, Sarah, and you as a white woman, I appreciate it. Even before you took that, that class, I appreciate the fact that you know what to say and know when to say it. And listen, and I think a lot of the white people, even some white people that follow me, they don't know how to listen. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know how to listen. Like some of them had to DM me like, I'm sorry. It's not that you're sorry. It's like, you just need to know when to listen. You know, I had to tell one of them to this week because they got mad because I always have criticisms about our state party and the, the rate of how it goes. And yeah. it was like, they're doing good. I said, I'm disappointed. And I've been unhappy. I'm not unhappy with the administration, let's be clear. I am unhappy with the state politics because it's a hot mess. I told my mom it's a hot ass mess. Like, mm-hmm. what's the name been named? The basically, she's like, she's basically been named the presumptive nominee. That's what Jay Jacobs did. Yep. And I'm not sure what's going on with Kentucky politics, but they did that in here in New York. And keep in mind, New York dem- Democrat demographic is majority black but it's also a hispanic part and mm-hmm. then it's jewish people it trickles down but black people are the main people in new york that vote democratic especially black yeah. women and the simple fact is you name this woman as the presumptive nominee basically but this woman here needs to go she don't go to black communities enough like she's like I saw the picture of her administration. I screenshot. I was like one side because I knew that was her administration on one side because Kathy um 
Catherine Garcia is part of her administration. It's majority white. And then on the side, staffers, you got some that's black, like two that's black and one is Hispanic and one is Asian. That's not enough. It's not. She's, it's like she's got a blind spot. You know, it's, she, she needs to hire more women of color, period. Black, Hispanic, Asian. It's, oh, we lost Katie. Yeah, she said she had to go. Oh, okay. But it's like, she's not, she doesn't have them in her staff. She's not reaching out to them. Like, they're invisible. And it's like, gonna be a mistake for her because while I appreciated her choosing Brian Benjamin as Lieutenant Governor, because not necessarily because he was a black man, which I hope that was not part of her decision necessarily, but because he is a downstate Democrat and she needs support from downstate. And yep. that was a good start, but that's where she stopped. And yeah. she hasn't done any other further outreach besides that. She hasn't been yeah. down here like that. You it's know? like she, it's like she thinks that just because she picked him, that's all she has to do. Right. And, you know, for all of Chuck Schumer's, you know, what have you, like his annoying student loan tweets or what have you, the reason he's so successful in New York state and he, as long as he runs, he's not going to fucking lose. So AOC really cute for you trying to think you're going to primary him and fucking win. You're going to be embarrassed. Okay. You can't, you can't even do your fucking His job in the house. Sit down. Everywhere. He goes everywhere. He does everywhere. You see him upstate. You see him in the West. You see him in the capital region. You see him in every fucking borough. He's, he goes everywhere. He does. Mm-hmm. And that's why he will continue to win as long as he runs here. Exactly. He knows that the key is not to isolate the biggest freaking voting group that you have in your state. Like, you know, he understands you have to really go out there and be around the people and listen to them. She needs to really work on that. And there's not that much time left. There's three months. Yeah. And then that's it. And so honestly, the reason I think we're going to be safe this time is because the Republican candidates that that pool is so pathetic and horrible. I don't know. I don't know. I like, I'm, I'm of the mind where Kathy could actually lose this. I, I, I can't even, I can't even process that in my mind, but if she did, it'd be through her own doing her campaign needs to get that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's hers to lose. And at this point, he's losing. Okay, so question, Sarah, because since you know, you know more. Did you, do you ever see people in her campaign roaming the halls of the Capitol? I'm not actually in the Capitol. Okay. Like, I don't actually physically work in the Capitol. I mean, I walk through it. Have they been around the assembly? I'm sorry. I don't know. Cause I try to look, I try to look for her people and you can't find them. Okay. So yeah, no, like I, I, I said, it has to be said, she needs to do some outreach. She needs to 
try to tap in to the leadership, okay, in New York mm-hmm. City, um, the Black Democratic voting community, she needs to tap into those leaders who will help her get in with the community because let me tell you something, they're not going to trust outsiders that are just doing this shit for the, for the tokenism of it. So nope. They're not, and, and, and the person that is making her the presumptive nominee Mm. is no Democrats, not even Kathleen Rice, who I don't really care for. I actually agree with her tweet the other day and I got a DM and it was like, well, Shantae, um, you know, you shouldn't, you know, you don't understand. And it's not that I just don't understand. It's just a simple fact is the truth is the truth. Like, you know, you can't tell people who to donate to for her seat. Mm-mm. What she's running for. No, no. I mean, and the, you know, and it's like she, okay, she has, Kathy has got to reach out to her, her constituents in the city. She's got to work on reaching out with local electeds, you know, and candidates on top of that, because we have, we have an assembly member and Nick Perry, who was just confirmed by the Senate to become the next, he is now the ambassador to Jamaica, the U.S. ambassador to Jamaica, okay? He's actually, he was born in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, So we have a former assembly member who's now the ambassador to Jamaica, and we now have a Black woman running for his seat. Uh, Her name is Monique Chandler Waterman, I follow her on Instagram. She is fantastic. I love her. Like I see her all the time out there with like doing work within the community there in the assembly. What, what district is she in? Uh, 58th district, the 58th assembly district. But I see her out there doing work and stuff all the time, but I don't see anything from Governor Hochul's social media or anything where she is interacting with her, interacting with with Ms. Waterman, you know, or with these other assembly districts. It's- It's abysmal. It is, it is. When I say something, I am the big bad wolf. That's why I don't say nothing. That's why I only say stuff in our DMs. I don't say anything because I am always the villain. But you're not, and we know you're right. I we was know right you're right. My mayoral election. So I was right. But um, we're going to end this here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, was- <laughs> I'm tired. I love it. Like, and we're going to leave this for the next. Yeah. We'll leave it for the next segment. Because I know, I know Shantae has to get to her Sunday evening things. Yes. I need, I need, I need to do the momming thing and the editing thing. And Elian, I know you probably want to talk to Myron. Oh, yes. And I also got to do the teacher thing. Oh, and plans, IPs. And then there's a table I have to build. Girl. Oh, is there? <laughs> yes, it arrived. I, y'all, I was leaving, being like, guys, I gotta go. I just got the, the message that it got delivered. I don't want it to get stolen <laughs> off the stoop. So I rushed home. It was here. It was here. It was kind of heavy and big. I don't I don't know. Oh my gosh. Well, go I, check that out. 
and Shante, enjoy your family dinner. And my daughter just Hood. ran through the freaking dining room. I don't know what's oh. going on. So I'm going to check with today. I'm going to check with that and start editing and getting the show ready to go for tomorrow. Well, you know, you still recording out next time. <laughs> and we will see y'all next week. Yes. <laughs>